Hey friends, Pastor Marco here. First of all, thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. I want to um, encourage you to do something. If you listen to us from a different state or a different country and you love the church and you want to be more connected to it, we are now opening it up for people to host new life communities from where they are. And if you're interested in being one of those people that can uh, host a watch party of our services where you can invite your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, your neighbors or whatnot to come and be a part of it, uh, email us at info at newlifesouthcoast.com because we want to be able to have pockets of new life communities all over the nation and all over the world. So if you're interested, get back to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Also, if you're closer and you can be in the physical building, our services now are at 9.15 and 11 a.m at our New Bedford location and 11 a.m. at our Forever location. The best way to stay connected is by downloading our church app. Go to the browser um, and just type in New Life South Coast and our app will pop up on Apple or whatever else that you use for you to stay connected. I pray that today's message as usual will encourage you, challenge you, and, and bless your walk with the Lord. If you have your Bibles... Uh, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. Book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. And I, before we read, I want to I tell you why we're going to Nehemiah, chapter 8. <clears throat> I think it's an underwhelming statement to say that we've had quite a year. This year has been extremely challenging, extremely hard, difficult in so many ways, so many levels. And we all have felt it in different ways. And, uh, and so my prayer and my goal for this month of November, month of Thanksgiving, is that we will allow the Lord to decompress our souls a little bit and to bring some perspective to us for a little bit. Because we could say in a way that we kind of have PTSD from 2020. And we need some perspective. We need some understanding from the Lord. Can you say amen? And so what I want to do the next few weeks is talk to you about the joy of the Lord. How many know we need the joy of the Lord? I say joy and I'm looking at some of your faces. You, you could use some joy right now. You know, because your eyes are the windows to your soul and there's a lot of muscles in there that need to be working because some of y'all are a little tense. So let's, I mean, I'm going to try it again. The joy of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> is the strength. And so in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8, it says this. It says, they read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning or what was being read, helping people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah, the governor, as were the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who were interpreting for the people, said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with the feast of rich foods and sweet drinks, uh, a.k.a. Kool-Aid. 
<laughs> and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, let me give you guys a little perspective and then we'll bring you closer to us. Nehemiah was written because God's people had been in a very difficult season, which we call the captivity years. They had lost their land and they were under the oppression of another nation called Babylon. And God had told them because of their disobedience, because of their rebellion, that they were gonna lose everything and go to captivity for 70 years. But in the middle of the rebellion, in the middle of the struggle, God gave them a promise. A promise that now has been quoted more than probably any other scripture in the entire Bible. This promise is found in the prophet Jeremiah who lived during this time. Through Jeremiah, God said, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, to give you hope in a future. And what I love about that is God's promises never comes to us in good times. It comes to us in tough times. It comes to us in difficult times. It comes to us when it seems like all is lost. God says, I still have a plan for you. And my plan is, is to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future, but buckle down because it's gonna be some time because there's consequences to you walking away from me. Are you tracking with me so far? So when we get to Nehemiah, my friends, this is the end of the captivity. And Nehemiah, who was, get this, this blows my mind. Nehemiah, who was an Israelite, but lived in Babylon, had never been to Israel, hears about what was happening back home. He breaks down, cries bitterly, and puts his life on the line and asks the Babylonian king, allow me to go back home because I want to rebuild our nation, which blows my mind. He had never been there before, but he has such a heart for God and God's people and God's nation that he's allowed to go. And so when you get to chapter eight, this is actually a process that they went through to rebuild their walls, to rebuild their city, to rebuild their nation. And here they are for the first time. Listen, I don't think we can appreciate this enough. For the first time in years, they gather together to read the words of the Lord. For the first time in years, they hadn't heard the word of God in their own native nation. And so they begin to read the word for the first time and the Bible tells us they begin to weep. They were broken just by hearing the word of God. Why? Because sometimes the word of God comes to convict us, to remind us that we needed him all along and we drifted away from him. So here they are, reconnecting to their creator, reconnecting to their savior, and it is so convicting that they are weeping and crying bitterly because the word of God is like a double-edged sword. It cuts through everything. Sometimes the greatest experience you can have in church is to have a good cry with the Lord. And i tell you something. Listen, if you come to church cute and you left cute, you didn't have church. 
because the Lord ought to wreck you a little bit because he, it, it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. God is trying to heal us, to restore us. So here they are, broken before the Lord and weeping because they understood, my goodness, it was our, our own rebellion that led us away from the Lord. But God is so good that he had a plan all along to bring us back to where we're supposed to be in the first place. So my friends, Nehemiah is with them in this journey, but Nehemiah has also another perspective. He says, yes, we're weeping and we're broken, but let's not forget the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. My friends, we need eternal perspective to understand that God is all we need. But you don't understand that until God is all you got. Another Bible writer, Solomon, wrote one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is a reflection in life. And he wrote this. He said this. Yet God has made everything beautiful for his own time. My friends, the reason why a lot of times we're dejected and we're depressed and we're confused and we're broken because we think God works in our time. By the way, let me mess you up a little bit. When God said, I know the plans I have for you, the you there is plural, not singular. Now, that's a struggle for us in the West because everything we do comes from a self place, but everything that God does comes from a we place. So even now, whatever's happening, and if you're just looking at it from a me perspective, you might miss God if you think that God does everything just for you. Ooh, American Christians have a hard time with this one. But he says in his own time. Why? Because he has planted eternity in the human heart. Even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. God's like, I got an eternal perspective. And I get to see from the beginning and end. But because you are human and you have just a limited perspective, you're thinking that God is playing checkers when God's playing chess. Y'all, you didn't get that word. That's a good word. Like, right now, you might be losing your mind over what's happening. And God's pulling back and going, no, no, I got moves. I got moves for days. <laughs> right? So, my friends, this is so important because you have to see things from an eternal standpoint. God sees the beginning and the end. God is the person in the parade that has an appeal view. He knows the parade starts there and it's good there. But if you are in the parade, all you have is the view of the parade. But God sees, no, I know where it's starting. I know the middle. I know the end. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Solomon, filled with the Spirit, says, so I conclude there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. My friends, 
I believe eternal perspective makes you focus on what you have going for you as opposed to what you don't. Eternal perspective is about seeing God even in the middle of chaos. We have to stop and celebrate what we have going for us. Because here's the thing, Thanksgiving was never meant to be a holiday, it's meant to be a way of life. You know, I believe this. Nehemiah is a great teacher of this. From time to time, you gotta pull back and appreciate what the Lord has done. From time to time, you have to count your blessings. From time to time, you have to take a step back and not get too close. Because when you're too close, you don't see the bigger picture. And so, my friends, let me just help us a little bit here. I don't know if you do this, but I celebrate what God is doing in our midst. I celebrate what we have going for us Matter of fact, last week, I emailed our mayor and said, what I love about our church is that it's a beautiful representation of our city. We have a diverse church, culturally, ethnically, socioeconomically. I am thankful that right now we are worshiping Jesus in this space and we're white, we're black, we're Latino, we're Republican, we're Democrats, we're liberals, but we're all under the banner of Jesus and we ought to celebrate that when there's division going on in the world, we ought to celebrate that Jesus has brought us together, no matter how much money you make, how much money your bank account is, we stand under the banner of Jesus Christ in this place. Oh, this is a miracle. It's a miracle that we're sitting on. It's a miracle that we have this place in New Bedford. (laughs) Believe me, it's a miracle what God is doing just got to take a step back once in a while because, my friends, unity commends a blessing. Unity will command a blessing any day of the week. My friends, I want to remind us, we can't control what's happening in the world, but we don't have to add to the madness. We're not troublemakers, we're peacemakers. We can lead by example in our neck of the woods. Because I want to remind us that our perspective is a gospel perspective. We come from a redemptive perspective. We come from a place of healing and restoration and affirmation. And we come from a place of possibilities. All things are possible to those who believe. Can you say amen? I want to remind us this morning that a divided world needs a united church. More than ever, we need to unite under the banner of Jesus Christ. And, and, and show the world that we can coexist even when we have differences because what unites us is greater than what divides us. And I wrote this down because I just feel like I need to say this. I prefer to have a messy church, which means a messy group of people, than to have a group of people who pretends they have it all figured out. And I believe joy is a weapon. Joy is a weapon against depression. Joy is a weapon against anxiety. Joy is a weapon against defeat. When you have joy, no one can take it from you because it belongs to you. But the thing is, if you're waiting for the stars to line up to have joy, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because it was in the middle of the chaos that God says, I still have a plan for you to prosper you, to give you hope, to give you future. 
I love Jordan Peterson. If you get a chance, look up his work. But Jordan Peterson said this. He said, perhaps happiness is always to be found in the journey uphill and not the fleeting sense of satisfaction awaiting at the next peak. If you're waiting for the next thing to happen, you're going to be waiting for a long time. But it's about celebrating the journey that you're in. Because the truth is, I don't know if you caught this yet, but you know, I feel like the older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing this. It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And God is in the journey with you. And God is on that parade with you, even though he, like, he knows where it's going. And he's like, hold on, yeah, you might be a, jam, a traffic jam here, don't worry. I already cleared it for you. I already got plans for you and where we're going. Somebody. My friends, we have to understand this. That in order to have this understanding, we have to go back to this reality that God is the object of our joy. Only God can give you this type of joy. Because the re- I think the difference between happiness and joy is happiness is you have to keep always waiting for something to happen. Joy is produced by the Spirit of God that's already residing in you. Only God can give you the joy that you're looking for. God himself is our joy, my friends. We have to get to the place that we realize that, that life will continue to disappoint you, but God continues to be faithful and continue to be who he is. My friends, God's attributes, his character, who he is, his power is your power. His goodness is your goodness. His wisdom is your wisdom. His guidance is your guidance. His faithfulness becomes your faithfulness. My friends, the Bible even says, even if your mother and father forsake you, God will still be faithful. And the Bible even says, even sometimes you're fickle and God is still faithful. Thank God that God is God above life. My friends, beware, please catch this, beware of idols in your life that is robbing you of your joy. I think this is one of the wake-up calls of this season is that maybe we have allowed politics to become an idol. Maybe God is pulling back and going, wait, I thought this was about me. Me, I'm the one who governs the universe. I'm the one who puts people in place. I'm the one who takes people out of place. I'm the one that blesses. I'm the one that takes away. He blesses, he takes away. He gives, he takes away. Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Anytime you find yourself depressed, dejected, anxious, you gotta ask yourself the question, is there an idol lodged in my heart? Now don't get me wrong, we all get sad, we all get lonely, we all get depressed, but when that becomes a lifestyle, you got an idol. God is no longer the object of your joy. Because the Bible says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. When you have eternal perspective, Nothing should rob you of your joy in Jesus. Nobody has the power to dethrone Jesus from your heart other than you. Anytime I find myself agitated with people, I have to take a step back and say, God, I'm allowing this person to take the wrong place in my heart. I need to put you back where you belong in my heart. Because God, only you, are the joy of my life. Can you say amen? Amen. My friends, the second thing you gotta realize is that 
personal revelation of God brings joy. Like, think about this for a second. The God of the universe. I don't know if you ever think about this. We are in the middle of a galaxy spinning around thousands of miles an hour. (laughs) One of many planets, many galaxies, still learning what is out there. And this God who created it all says, I want to have a relationship with you. How crazy is that? Like, have you ever been baffled by that reality? That right now you get to worship a God who is the same God who's in Iraq, he's in Afghanistan, and he's in Africa, and he's worship, people are worshiping the same exact Jesus. And if you want to get messed up a little bit more, you got to ask yourself your question today. When America's losing their mind over an election, how does a Christian in Iraq read his Bible? How do you think a Christian in Nigeria where Boko Haram is is persecuting and beheading them, how do you think they're going about their relationship with Jesus? Do you think they care about Trump or they care about King Jesus being the Lord of their lives? My friends, we need to pull back and see a God who is bigger than the United States, a God who is bigger than this continent, a God who expands and says, I am bringing all people into me. Perhaps I believe what God is doing is dethroning some idols from us. Perhaps God is saying, may y'all be thinking too small about me. You've cornered me into your own understanding of me. I love this quote. It says, God created us in his image and then we return the favor. But the God of the universe wants to be my friend? That's mind-boggling. The God of the universe comes down in human flesh and says, I want to show you how to have a relationship with me. But I'm not only going to do that. I'm going to die for your sins. I'm going to raise again from the dead. And I'm going to give you a future. Like, if that doesn't bring joy to you, then I don't know what will bring joy to you. Because God has revealed himself to you. And one of the greatest things in life is to realize I can have intimacy with this God of the universe. I can live forgiven, accepted, justified by this God. And I know he has a plan for me. I may not understand it all, but I know he understands it all. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's never fickle. I'm fickle. He's not fickle. He's blessed me. He, listen. Here's a God, listen, let me, let, me, let me drill this a little deeper. Here's a God who knows your thoughts. And still says, no, let's do this. Because I have to say your thoughts because a lot of us, we like to judge outwardly. But here's a God who's like, yo, I know how crazy you are. I know how tapped you are. I know how violent you can be in your mind. In your mind, you've killed four or five people. Come on, are we in church? Can we be honest for a second? And that God still says, no, knucklehead, I still love you. I died for you. I have a plan for you. Personal revelation of God brings joy. The Bible says this, and because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. You don't say Abba unless you have intimacy. This is what Jewish kids call their dad, daddy. Saying that's the kind of relationship you have with the God of the universe. That close. 
that you can say daddy. You don't say daddy to an earthly father unless you guys are close. You may say that's my father, but to say daddy, that's a whole nother level of intimacy. If you have intimacy with Jesus, you should have joy because you know, my goodness, he knows everything about me and he still loves me and he's still for me and he blesses me. Even when I don't bless him, God blesses me. Come on, somebody. We ought to thank God for Jesus. But here's the thing. It's about sitting with him that you get understanding of how he brings joy to you. Here's the thing, my friends. The strength of joy comes through meditation. And meditation is just a fancy word about what you think about. The reason why we don't have joy is because we focus on all the wrong things. That's the truth. See, Americans think joy is found in stuff. And we keep accumulating stuff and hoping that this next stuff is really going to bring joy. This next relationship will bring joy. This next uh, job is going to bring joy. And this next move is going to bring joy. If I go to another church, that will bring me joy. And we keep fight, going over these things. And, and, and the Bible calls, Ecclesiastes says, it's like chasing wind. You ever grab wind and put it in your pocket and said, you will be my wind and we'll be happy together? He says, it's meaningless until you understand the joy of the Lord is your strength, but it becomes when you choose your focus. That's what meditation is. If you're wondering why you think the way you do, it's because you meditate on that thing. And no one can make you meditate on something other than yourself. That's what meditation means. I focus myself on what I wanna think about. The Bible says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's excellent, whatever's praiseworthy, think about such things. It doesn't just fall in your lap. You have to do the work of thinking. God created you as a thinking being. That's why he says, love me with all your heart and your mind and your strength. Then you will have the joy that I bring to you. My friends, you have this joy when you understand that the future is secure. There's nothing like knowing that the God of the universe who knows where the parade is going, he's already there. My friends, knowing the future is security and security is joy. If you don't believe me, remember the last time that it was only Tuesday and your bank account was already withdrawn. Remember how you felt. But remember that week when you knew I have a surplus. <laughs> right? Perspective of your future brings joy. So we have a God who has a perspective of the future and he chooses to reveal that to you as you go along. Let me give you some promises to give you some assurance today about God and the perspective of future. In Philippians chapter one, it says this, I am certain, certain, confident that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. <laughs> confident. He says, man, I'm confident of this. And he didn't write this sitting in a Starbucks sipping a latte. 
He wrote this behind the jail of a Roman cell and, and surrounded by rats and, and where, and where sewer will run under his feet. But he's too focused on Jesus to let his circumstance get the best of him. He says, oh, I know I'm certain that who, who began a good work will finish it. He is faithful. He is good. He is for me. And he's not going to give up on me certain of that. I may be in the middle of it, but it's not over yet. That's why we always say the best is still yet to come. Can you say amen? Look, Paul goes on to give you another promise in Corinthians. He said, look, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. (laughs) What God has in store, you have no idea. I think about it this way. This life is pretty cool. Yeah, you have adversities, you have trials, but man, we have some really cool moments in this life. Right? You get to experience some really cool things. And, and I don't know about you guys, I'm a nature guy. I love the ocean. Like the ocean to me connects me to something that's bigger than myself. And, and it, it always reminds me of how small I am, but how big God is. But somehow I fit into this equation of his will and his purpose for my life. And when I think about all those things, I'm like, that's amazing. And God's like, yeah. Nothing compared to what I have in store for you because here you live on an earth that's been tainted by sin. How about I do a new earth, a new heaven with no sin and watch what? Y'all ain't ready for what God wants to do. The problem is we're so finite, we only see what's in front of us. We gotta pull back and see where God is taking us. Matter of fact, you ought to take a moment once in a while and take an inventory and see how far has the Lord taken you? How far has he blessed you? How far has he protected you? How far has he delivered you? How far has he healed you? My goodness, you have a testimony in you of how God has been good to you. Next time you find yourself depressed and anxious, begin to count your blessings. Begin to remember, oh man, Oh man, I was jacked up. Oh man, I, when I was 20 years old, I thought life was just about girls and basketball. And then Jesus came into my life and flipped it upside down and gave me a calling and gave me a, a will uh, for his desire and his purpose and begin to put up a heart in me for all the people and begin to lead me towards the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And I'm 42 years old and I can only see how good God has been. Has he been good to you? And he says, you haven't seen nothing yet. You ever look at a sunset and be blown away? And God's like, nah, that's nothing yet. Watch what I'll do when I'm all done with this thing. Friends, you have reasons to have joy in him. Let me give you one more. Jesus said this. Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Think about that for a second. If someone came up to you and said, listen, I'm I'm gonna go live for about 30 years. Then I'm gonna die a brutal death, but that death is actually to save you. Then I'm gonna come back from the dead three days later. And then he pulls it off. If If someone tells me that and he pulls it off, 
hey, whatever you say, I believe you. Whatever you say, I'm in. You said no one can snatch me away from you, that I'm taking that to the bank, no matter what's happening around me, hell may be breaking loose, but you said, because you kept your word, you said you would go to the cross and you rose again, if you can do that, what else is possible with those who believe in you? There's nothing impossible for those. No one can snatch me away from you. Romans 8 says, come tribulation and temptations and trials. He said, no one can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You are eternally secured when you have a relationship with Jesus. The only reason that won't excite you if it's, you're just a churchgoer, but you don't have a relationship with him. There's a difference. People think they went to a building, they have a relationship. Every Sunday I go to a tight place that I love, but I don't work there. It's not mine. I just visit. Understand, my friends, the reason why we don't have what God says is ours is because we haven't surrendered ourselves to him. So I pray we understand this, that the joy of the Lord is for those who have a relationship with him, not just those who are acquaintance of him. Uh-oh, quiet now in this Baptist church. Listen, the joy of the Lord for those who have a relationship with him, it's what keeps you from falling into temptation. Think about this. When you have a real relationship with Jesus, there is nothing that the world can throw you away that Jesus has already given you. Think about it. The reason why I hear a lot of people go, oh man, it's so hard, temptation is like, yeah, because your heart is divided. That's why. If your heart was his, you wouldn't be calling the temptation before it even started. But there's nothing, I'm 42 years old, my goodness, I don't know how you feel, but man, the world is boring to me. There's nothing you can pitch my way. The world, by the, by the way, the world preaches way more than we do. It's not a day that goes by the world doesn't tell you, hey, you're not happy, you need this. Christmas is coming. It's not about Jesus. It's about, hey, get more stuff so you can stuff your house and be still upset. <laughs> There's nothing better than Jesus. I'm taking that to the bank. There's nothing better than knowing Jesus as my Lord, my Savior, my God, my provider, my protector, my, my everything. That's why, my friends, I pray for our nation and I vote the way I believe that I should vote, but then I say, God, you got this. You got this. I am not gonna lose my mind for a political system that falls short of who you are. The joy of the Lord equips you with quiet strength because our world has lied to us that the loudest is right. But we know those who have joy are usually very quiet about their strength. They don't have to floss. They don't have to front. Because the more people are trying to, the more you know, ah, you, you, you're not secure in what you believe, do you? Have you noticed that? Spend five minutes with someone, you can tell like, oh, you're not, you're not on shaky ground, you're not sure. You're trying too hard. I, I, listen, here's my confidence. I don't have to try too hard to make you believe in Jesus. That's on you. That's on you. I believe Jesus is already sufficient. But it's on you to appropriate yourself of his grace and his goodness. So I, I, you know, I grew up in a church where, listen, if people don't come to the altar, we're gonna keep singing until you come. 
I don't believe in that. I believe in the Lord is already bidding you to come. It's up to you to respond to what he's doing in your life. Listen, that's why I believe the only time we should be loud is when we're worshiping and when we're praying. Because those two things are a connection to who he is. And there's power in your words. That's why when you come to church, you should sing loud and proud. Why? Because you are filling the atmosphere with the presence of God and the goodness of God. And you should not worry about who's next to you because who's next to you never died for you. I tell people, pray out loud. Why? Because you're appropriating yourself of God's word. When you pray out loud, you are telling your whole body, we are refused to be depressed. We refuse to be down. We we're going to speak life. If you think I always feel like preaching, you're lying to yourself. No, I preach my feelings into submission to the will and the purpose of God. I'll preach even if I don't feel like it. I'll pray even if I don't feel like it. I'll worship even if I don't feel like it. Because when I do, my feelings have no choice but to bow down to Jesus who is Lord of my life. Oh, you ought to tell the person next to you, excuse me, but I got work to do. I got worship to bring out of me. I got praises to bring out of me. That's why the enemy loves to intimidate you with praying out loud because he knows, man, if he prays out loud, all hell will break loose. If he prays out loud, I don't have him anymore. If he prays out loud, I can't contain him anymore. Let me tell you something. Tell Susie, excuse me, but I got to give Jesus some praise in this place. telling you, take control of what's yours. There's great joy in worshiping and singing to the Lord. So let me wrap this up. How do you have this joy? You got to do what they did. You got to go to the word and ask God for it. Simply ask him. Says, I don't have this, but you do. Because the joy is a fruit of the spirit of God. It's nothing you can do. This is where it's humbling because we want to say we did something. This is where people have a hard time with church because they want to feel like they did something. And God's like, when it comes to this, sorry, the way my economy works, <laughs> you, you got nothing. So you better ask God for it. But look, it's not just asking. It's about remaining in his word. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will produce much fruit. It's about remaining. The problem is some of us, we will hear the word, we get excited, we leave here, and the enemy snatches it away from us. Because you didn't remain, you didn't build roots. That's what meditation is. How do you retain something? You gotta stop and focus on it and let it take root in your heart, in your mind. Because if all you do is ask and retain, it's not enough, you gotta obey the word. It's obedience. That unlocks understanding. Notice, they read it and they were so convicted, they begin to weep because they realized, wow, we drifted so far from God. And friends, once in a while, a good cry before God is the greatest thing that could happen to you. Let the Lord wash over you and cleanse you and restore you. It's his goodness that leads you to repentance. You ought to leave the church feeling a little wrecked, but at the same time joyful because when God wrecks you, it's always to put you back together in a better place. And then you will see 
that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. When you ask, you retain, you obey, you produce. Have you ever seen a fruit try to produce itself? You ever seen an apple going, ah, I'm gonna be an apple. An apple can't produce itself. All it has to do is abide, and in due time, it becomes an apple. You can't do this. Last thing you need is to leave this place and go, I'm gonna be happy. And it's gonna be the worst day of your life. Because God goes, hey, good luck. God calls the angels. He has a sense of humor. He's like, let's watch this. Let's watch this. Let's watch this. He won't even get past Save a lot. Someone's going to cut him off. He's going to lose his mind. <laughs> oh, man. He's going to go on Facebook and ah! And friends, the joy of the Lord is your strength when the Lord is Lord of your life. When he is Lord... Allow the Holy Spirit to just lodge some idols from your heart. Let this political thing point you to the real Savior. If you're in a relationship and your heart is broken, well, let the one who can heal the broken heart come and restore you. And then one day you're going to look at that guy and go, please. Please. I wish I could do the next thing. Please. Stand with me. We're going to pray together. But let's pray together. I don't want you to hear my prayers only. I want us to pray together because you have to appropriate yourself. You have to retain the word. You have to say, God, I am opening my mouth to you and asking you to fill me with who you are. I didn't come just to check a religious box. I came to appropriate myself of who you are as my God, as my Savior. Come on, let's lift our hands together to the Lord. And pray together. You don't have to pray like I'm praying. Let's pray together. Father, come. Spirit of Jesus, come. Oh, come, Holy Spirit. Come fill us, oh God. Oh, fill us, Lord. Let your Spirit come. Let your Spirit come. Oh, Father, we are turning to you. We want to repent from everything that's keeping us from you. We want to make room for you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring perspective, bring clarity, bring eternally perspective to us. Spirit of God, fall fresh on us in this building, watching at home. Spirit of God, fall on us. We need your presence. Oh, empower us to retain your word, to obey your word. And Holy Spirit, produce joy in us. For your joy is our strength. Strengthen us today, Lord. Strengthen us today, God. Fill us today, oh God. Oh, follow us today, we pray. Spirit of God, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, we need you to come, Lord.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. May he fill you with his spirit. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Go in his grace and his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.